Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm going to be sharing an amazing Metropolitan Masterpiece with you today. Just a quick reminder before the episode starts, all sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find a link in the episode description as well as on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. Although Vincent van Gogh is most famous for his paintings like Starry Night, he was also interested in lithography. Unfortunately, printmaking was an expensive medium, and he often didn't have enough funds to cover the process. In November 1882, van Gogh was able to produce and pay for a run of six prints, which includes today's featured piece at Eternity's Gate. It is a devastatingly beautiful and fascinating work, truly deserving of the title Metropolitan Masterpiece. So to learn more about at Eternity's Gate, keep on listening. This print is focused on a single figure. He's a middle-aged man sitting down in a wooden chair. The viewer cannot see his face because he is leaning down and burying it in his hands. Between this pose, the hunched shoulders, and his tight fist, the viewer can feel the subject's utter despair. There isn't a true background in this work. Behind the man, there's a hint of a brick wall. Next to him, there's a small basket with some sticks in it. Maybe this is an indication that the man is sitting in front of a fireplace. But we don't truly have enough detail to tell. Thankfully, Van Gogh wrote many letters in his lifetime, giving us a glimpse into his life and thought processes. We know that he made initial studies in 1882, drawing a war veteran named Adrianus Jacobus Zunderlund. He connected it with a painting that he had seen nearly a decade earlier in London, Hubert von Hertkommer's Sunday at the Chelsea Hospital. Van Gogh recorded, quote, Today and yesterday, I drew two figures of an old man with his elbows on his knees and his head in his hands. I did it of shootmaker once and always kept the drawing because I wanted to do it better another time. Perhaps I'll do a lithograph of it. What a fine sight an old working man makes in his patched bombazi suit with his bald head. It seems to me that a painter has a duty to try and put an idea into his work. I was trying to say this in this print, but I cannot say it as beautifully, as strikingly as reality, of which this is only a dim reflection seen in a dark mirror that it seems to me that one of the strongest pieces of evidence for existence of, quote, something on high, in which Malay believed, namely in the existence of God and an eternity, it is utterly movable quality that there is an expression of an old man like that, without his being aware of it, perhaps, as he sits so quietly in the corner of his hearth. At the same time, something precious, something noble, that can't be met for worms. This is far from all theology, simply the fact that the poorest woodcutter, heath farmer or miner, can have moments of emotion and mood that give him a sense of an eternal home that he is close to. These records show the artist's feelings and motivations. It's a rare treat to be able to glance into the mind of the artist to give us a deeper understanding of their works. As I mentioned in the introduction, Vincent van Gogh was fascinated with printmaking as a medium. The first step in this journey was learning how to draw. He was mostly self-taught and had to use the cheapest materials possible to teach himself the craft. This even included carving his own pen from reeds. However, Van Gogh believed that drawing was, quote, the root of everything, and was willing to do whatever he had to to learn. While learning to draw, Van Gogh often chose to sketch from life, as we saw in the quotes earlier, especially by observing people. While living in the Netherlands, where he met Zunderland, it is clear that the artist was inspired by the genre paintings and social realism of works by Rembrandt, Millet, and Daumier. Even using just ink, Van Gogh was able to capture the emotional death of his subjects that still transcends the centuries. With his printmaking, Van Gogh hoped to earn enough money from his initial run of six prints to produce another run, this time of 30 prints. This would allow him to spread his work further and to a wider audience. Van Gogh hoped then that his work would find its way into the hands of a magazine editor or someone in a similar job. This would lead to commissions and a successful career as a printmaker. However, as history would have it, this would not be the direction that Van Gogh's career would take. 
As we well know, he would transition to painting and leave behind some of the most impactful art in world history. In fact, Van Gogh would turn this print into a painting, one of the few that received this transition. It's called Sorrowing Old Man, at Eternity's Gate in parentheses, and was created by the artist in early May 1890. We can see the background much more clearly in this piece. The man is seated in front of a warm fire. However, it appears to give him no comfort. The man is still in despair, almost as if the viewer caught him in between sobs. It is equally as heartbreaking and emotionally wrought as the original drawing. Knowing Van Gogh's personal history, it's hard not to see himself in this work. Sadly, only about two months after he was painted this, Van Gogh took his own life. During the depressive episode that preceded this, he wrote to his brother Theo, quote, What can I tell you of these last two months? Things aren't going well at all. I'm more sad and bored than I could tell you, and I'm no longer know where the point I'm at. While I was ill, I nevertheless still have a few small canvases from memory, which you'll see later. Memories from the North, so melancholy do I feel. While I'm hesitant to try and diagnose a historical figure, it's clear that Van Gogh was incredibly sad, likely to the point of depression. Art historians believe that this is one of the few works that Van Gogh painted where we can truly feel the depth of his sorrow. Next, I'm going to discuss more about printmaking and prints, but first, let's take a quick break. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi there, this is Annalisa, the founder of Accessible Art History. Thanks for tuning in today. As a part of my mission, I work to provide free quality art history content for anyone who is curious. But if you'd like to support Accessible Art History, you can find the link to my Patreon for monthly support or buy me a coffee for a one-time donation. If you do decide to donate, please let me know so that I can give you a shout out on a future episode. Thank you for listening and let's get back to our episode. Alright, now that we're back, let's talk about how lithographs are made. This technique is classified as a planographic printmaking process, where the image is affixed to a plate using a chemical reaction. The first step is for the artist to draw their design on a piece of limestone using an oil-based instrument, like a crayon. Next, two layers of powder, one made of rosin and one made of talc, are applied to the stone. Then, gum arabic, or some combination of gum arabic and an acid solution, is added on top. This ensures that the etching solution will bind to the oil of the design and that the stone will not absorb the printing ink. A solvent called lithothene is used to wipe away the design, leaving just the oily impression. There is one last step before the design can be inked and used to print. A layer of asphaltum is buffed on and given time to dry. Once the process is finished, ink can be applied to the stone and a press is used to make a copy of the image on paper. This process can be done many times over, creating numerous copies of the same work of art. Today, this copy of At Eternity's Gate is in the drawing and print collection in the Met. It was a remarkable acquisition in late 2021 because it's one of the copies from the original run that Van Gogh did in November 1882. This print was part of a four-piece collection acquired from an anonymous Minnesota collector, who in turn acquired it in the early 2000s. It was a smart decision because none of the prints are represented in any other U.S. museum was purchased with funds from many different gift collections. The drawing and print collection today contains an astounding 21,000 drawings, 1.2 million prints, and 12,000 illustrated books created in Europe and the Americas, 
dating from around 1400 to today. Since the collection's founding in 1916, it has allowed people to view different elements of the artistic process and learn more about the printing and drawing mediums. It's important to note that these works are often far more fragile than their painted counterparts. Met is careful to rotate their display every few months in order to preserve them for generations to come. If the name At Attorney's Gate sounds familiar to you, that might be because it's also the name of a movie about Vincent van Gogh's life. Made in 2018, William Defoe starred as the artist as the film explored the last few years of his life. It's interesting to note that the movie also included the theory by biographers Stephen Neffe and Gregory White-Smith that Van Gogh's death was caused by manslaughter rather than suicide. The film received positive reviews and Defoe was even nominated for the Oscar for Best Actor. I personally haven't seen it, but I'm planning on renting it. It's fascinating that Van Gogh still manages to capture audiences' attention centuries after his passing. Vincent Van Gogh's At Eternity's Gate is a deeply moving print. I think that American theologian Kathleen Power Erickson described it best in her writing on the piece, saying, Belief in life beyond the grave is central to one of Van Gogh's first accomplished lithographs at Eternity's Gate. Executed at The Hague in 1882, it depicts an old man seated by a fire, his head buried in his hands. Near the end of his life, Van Gogh recreated this image in oil while recuperating in the asylum at Saint-Rémy. Bent over with his fist clenched against the face hidden in utter frustration, the subject appears engulfed in grief. Certainly the work would convey an image of total despair had it not been for the English title Van Gogh gave it, At Eternity's Gate. It demonstrates that even in his deepest moments of sorrow and pain, Van Gogh clung to the faith in God and eternity, which he tried to express in his work. Well, that wraps it up for this episode, but I'll be back next week when I discuss a Socratic female figure from ancient Greece. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces for updates and to keep an eye out for the next episode. They drop every week on your favorite podcast platform. If you prefer to listen on YouTube, you can find episodes there on well, about two weeks after each episode is posted. Cheers and see you for the next episode.